you know, percent, 95% of people and businesses is doing good. Most of the people are employed by businesses, not the government. And it does good. It, it rewards entrepreneurship. It rewards being innovative. And so I that that belief in myself as a businessman, I believe that that business is inherently good. So how can we encourage that? And how can we build and structure these better systems to continue to highlight the benefits of businesses. Lots of businesses don't make profits and probably shouldn't be businesses. You are listening to the Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Harris. And when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm the founder of an award-winning real estate investment firm and actively investing in commercial real estate all over the country. This show allows me to interview, dive deeper, and deconstruct many passive wealth principles, not just from investing, but tactics, strategies, and many fascinating ways in which people have achieved levels of passive wealth. Through my nearly 20-year career as a professional investor, I've built an amazing network of people and come across some super savvy investors. Not only do they have a unique stance on the marketplace, but look at the same problems we all face and many times have come up with a simple but unconventional approach to solving them. This is why I'm so excited for this podcast. It allows me to unpack and have a more in-depth conversations with these special guests. Selfishly, it's a platform where I get to ask the questions that would never come up in a normal conversation and I get a chance to learn and dissect their best strategies you get to be a part of that process as well. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversations and these amazing passive wealth principle lessons. Welcome to another episode of What I Learned. This episode is about Jace Mattinson. Unbelievable. It was, you know, I have pages and pages of notes. It was one of my favorite interviews. Jace is now, I want to say he's 33. I don't know how old he is actually. Um, maybe 34, somewhere in there. Early 30s. Uh, call him millennial. He was and went the path of a CPA, had one of his clients that he was uh familiar with or you know, investing or, you know, doing financial books, they were in trouble. He then took that opportunity to buy into the company at 27 years old, kind of a leveraged buyout, and then restructure the company, a 140-year-old lumber company. Over the course of that time period, he thought this was going to be the business that he was going to build out. But one of the the, the key things, and I'm going to actually go to it, is that he coined a phrase that I think is unbelievable of building a business that is scalable and sellable, scalable and sellable. So building all your systems as if you want to grow it into infinity. And then obviously those structures make the business sellable. He took that model. He took it from a a lumber uh, supplier with historically very low margin business and scaled that up from 250 people, went backwards a little bit, and then built it up and acquired more companies and more stores to 450 employees. And I think just under 40 stores at the time of exit and sold it into the nine figures. 
I mean, at 27, 28, you know, now 30 something years old. And it is a unbelievable story of just how putting together these systems and these structure allow to build a scalable and sellable business. He's now taking that and applying that to uh, many other industries and specifically the service-based business. Service-based business and why that is interesting and interesting play is, is oftentimes those are localized. A pool maintenance company, a lawn maintenance company, it's not like those are typically national present firms. You can have national presence in them, but then finding a, a localized type of business Layering in through acquisitions, uh, economies of scale, and then finding out just building in normal kind of systems of, of finances, systems that uh, better improve margins. Or now with the way that technology is evolving, you know, accounting software that normally would take 10 people, they can do it off of a subscription-based software model. And now you're not coding in stuff. And there's so many businesses, uh, mom, Paul run million dollar EBITDA businesses that are doing it on the back of uh, a legal notebook and are not using, you know, any sophisticated software. So they've then taken this and now applied what he learned in the, you know, building up of this business, acquiring additional businesses, and now scaling that to, to service base. One of the interesting things that he did specifically around the lumber business is that they were very asset intensive. Asset intensive meaning the real estate. You have a lumber yard, you have a big area which you need to stack up pallets and material. So you would have a big, large real estate footprint. You would also have the rolling stock, the uh, forklifts, and then it, you had your inventory. And so you were able to finance the business based on its assets, as opposed to service businesses are much more difficult to finance because they're asset light. They don't have assets. One of the key, key things in, in when you're acquiring these businesses is the psychology. Another key component to doing an acquisition, and I don't care if this is a buying a business or buying a piece of real estate, is what is the you know decision matrix that is is causing this person to entertain a, a sell of their business or their property? Why are they selling? Try to get that backstory. And I've found that when you can find out why they're selling, and then some of the dynamics that are uh, maybe not present from a high level. For instance, Jason talked about a, a situation where some stepkids work within the organization where they didn't have any influence on the org chart. They did have a lot of uh, weight in their personal opinions to the people uh, that were potentially selling that, that blew up a, a potential deal. Because they had not understood the dynamics of the psychology of people. And so now what you can do is use some psychology, use these mechanisms of maybe asset heavy businesses that have low margins, but you can finance it or get high leverage on it and be able to come in with little to no money down. 
So it, Jace goes through this, breaks into, and I, I want to highlight one of the other big things that he mentioned that I very, very much agree with is business is inherently good. What does that mean? It employs people. Capitalism gives people purpose. Of course, there's bad capitalism. Of course, there's bad businesses. There are people that are polluting or doing crazy things. But the vast majority, the 90 you know, percent, 95% of people and businesses is doing good. Most of the people are employed by businesses, not the government. And it does good. It, it rewards entrepreneurship. It rewards being innovative. And so I, that, that belief in myself as a businessman, I believe that that business is inherently good. So how can we encourage that? And how can we build and structure these better systems to continue to highlight the benefits of businesses? Lots of businesses don't make profits and probably shouldn't be businesses. However, those are nonprofits. I'm looking at the ones that generate profits. They are uh, and can be a fantastic vehicle to create a livelihood as well as even just being an employee in it. Can you create those, make them platform companies, add bolt-ons? There's just so many ways in which this business environment is, is uh, evolving. Right now, the baby boomers, one of the largest generations of people, typically are these business owners in the United States, are retiring in droves. And I read an interesting statistic that said 60% of businesses that are for sale will not sell. I actually experienced this. There was some land, some real estate I was looking at. The guy had a business, a legacy business that had been in business for 50 years, 60 years. He made pavers, made the bricks and the, the things. And actually some cities, their downtowns were paved with the pavers that he made. But his kids were not interested in the business. They had these huge pieces of equipment that made bricks. And he just closed it down and sold the equipment for pennies on the dollar because what is a used brick making machine worth? Not a whole lot other than a handful of, of people. And so oftentimes they were able to buy it for scrap metal and they just closed down the business. Would he have been interested in selling it? Maybe. I wish I had some of the skill sets and, and knew, knew Jace three years ago. Well, I did know him. I didn't know what he was doing three years ago. The things that he had put together and how you could create some systems inside this business that is essentially just being given away for free, closed down, we're no longer existing. So uh, how can you take that? Obviously, you can listen to the episode by Jace. He gives a lot of practical advice, a lot of lessons learned throughout his history as well as some great book recommendations, some great podcast, uh, and really everything is a risk. One of the key factors is doing nothing is a risk. You know, investing into businesses is a risk. It's all a risk, and how you you can be and take a calculated risk uh, as opposed to being risk adverse. So I hope that you get a chance to check out Jace's episode because it is a fantastic one. It unlocked a lot of things for me. 
that I was on the fringe of, of understanding the clarity in the systems that he talks about being able to put in place, I know are going to benefit my business as well as my potential investing and acquisition strategies into the future. Check out the episode. It is an exciting one. It's actually one of my favorite episodes I've done so far. Don't tell the other guests. Uh, that this episode was was my favorite so far. But uh, check it out. Check out Jace. Follow him in the links down below. Thanks, guys. Again, enjoy your day. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on Passive Wealth Principles Podcast. Make sure to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. If the episode made you think of someone, go ahead and take a screenshot and share this episode with them. You can tag us or find us as a podcast at Catch Knives or me personally at Jake.realestate. For those investors that are listening to this and want to be able to take advantage of distressed investing opportunities, a perfect place to start is my best-selling book, which also happens to be called Catching Knives. It's a full breakdown and guide on how I and many of my partners take advantage of opportunities in distressed commercial real estate. Go to www.catchkniveswithans.com and grab the book there as there's a few book bonuses that I know you'll love. Once again, www.catchkniveswithans.com. Take care and I'll see you in the next episode.